Um, all right, we got to get to the we got to get to the show, Doc. They did not come for right. uh, Hollywood right. trivia. Uh, they came to get their health and wellness questions answered. Uh, so let's start off. Let's see here. Uh, where am I? Okay. This is a reminder uh, answer. Please remind us, what levels do you like to see for B12 and magnesium RBC? Um, gosh, I don't have the magnesium RBC normals between us because um, we don't do a lot of those. That is a more accurate measurement of magnesium, but with the uh, the Cleveland, they don't do a, they do a serum RBC. Um, I like to keep it about you know mid two range. I'll have to look on the the normals for the mag uh, RBC B twelve. What I like to see for B twelve is is just it's high. If if I see a high B twelve level like over a thousand, then I know they're taking B twelve. So actually, when you see a low B twelve, it means something. You need B twelve. If you see a high B twelve level like in the in the thousands, like eleven, twelve hundred, two thousand, it just means you're taking B twelve. And so it's not a big deal. You really are not going to overdose on B12. So but uh, that's a good question. So low uh, means something. High on B12 means nothing. On magnesium, you'll know when you're taking too much magnesium because you'll get diarrhea with it. Um, but I don't have the normals right before me on the magnesium RBC. So um all right, great question there. Welcome everybody to the to the for performance medicine show. Uh, this is our live Q and A, and I'm gonna go to let's see where am I? I'm already lost my place. Um, all right, is it okay to take DHEA if you are on an antidepressant? Yeah, I don't see any problem with that at all. You know, I don't think it's gonna affect your levels. Um, It'll probably help the antidepressant. Um, DHEA is an adrenal hormone, and most people tend to be a little low on it as they age. So, um, you know, you're not going to get serotonin syndrome or something like that when you take DHEA. I don't like for you to take real high levels if you're a woman, especially 15 milligrams usually for a woman is what I like, 25, maybe 50 for milligram for a man. Women have to watch out for hair loss if you take too much um, DHEA, but uh, it's a great um, little adrenal supplement that most people take. I know I take 25 milligrams every day of it. All right, moving along here. This is a type 2 diabetes question. Can mirtazipine, Rimrin, uh, taken at night as sleep aid elevate blood sugar levels in type 2 diabetics. Um, I might have mis mispronounced half of those it's words. Uh, Remeron. Yeah, we use a little bit of that. I don't use a ton of Remeron. But um, I haven't known it to raise sugar levels in diabetics. One reason, one reason or way you can find out is to wear a continuous glucose monitor and see if it does. Um, you know, but I haven't seen that personally. Um, probably not many people know because they're not doing a CGM, but um, that's a great question. You can try it out. Um, yeah, there, there's some pretty good, there's some actually some pretty good sleep medications that 
are kind of off label for sleep. Um, one of them that um, some people try is a non-scheduled drug um, that called Xanaflex. That's actually a mild muscle relaxer. That some people swear by it for for sleep if nothing else works over the counter. Um, especially if you tend to have a lot of pain and muscle spasm, but, um, yeah, I just haven't used a lot of Remeron recently for sleep. I know a lot of people do. It may help restless legs as well, but, um, uh, so if you have a question about it, do a CGM and see what it does to your sugar. Trying to, These are good questions. These are great questions. Try trying to avoid those spikes when you, with the CGM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for that. And then I'm going to put this one up here. This is a, this is kind of a, a, a combo question with uh, sharing information here. Uh, this is from a, a good friend of the shows. Are you familiar with Ulta lab tests? Um, and then the, the kind of the sharing part is I ordered B, the B12, $12 on sale and the mag RBC, $29. This week, you can go to any Quest Lab, and I should have my results. That's pretty awesome. So, any guy, anybody yeah. who is close to a Quest uh, Lab, be sure to take them up on that. Um, we have Quest, I believe, in our offices as well, or in we everyone except our, our West Knoxville office. Um, but and we send people to Quest there down the street. But yeah, I mean, Quest has come up with some. I am familiar with these, and some cash prices for. A uh, ton of vitamins. So, yeah, I think that's a great thing that I ordered some last week on somebody. But uh, yeah, I think it's a great deal. It, what um, is it? So, not expensive. So is Ulta lab it's just, test? It's just, it's, it's just Quest that runs these lab tests for cash. Oh, got it. Um, got it. Yeah. Um, Super cool. Super cool. Thank you for uh, for putting that in there. Uh, so guys, be sure to take advantage of that. Ask for Ulta lab test if you want to take advantage of some cash prices if you're close to a, a Quest lab. Um, all right, let's go to, um, this is a fun one. If you could pick the five to 10 best foods for a healthy lifestyle, what would they be? Well, gosh, they'd probably just full of, it'd probably be, in my opinion, Fish, especially, I like salmon. It's, you know, I like salmon as, as, as a fish. And I'll, anything green and leafy and colorful for vegetables, I mean, there's a ton of them. I'd say spinach would be on there is one of my favorites. Broccoli, um, if you tolerate cruciferous vegetables very, very well. Um, I like, I would say, berries, any kind of berry, especially blueberries. Um, that's just a great question. Again, everybody's a little different. You might even for, for a lot of people, I would say eggs for those that aren't allergic to eggs and that may not have an elevated TMAO level. Um, so I would say those are about, those are five and you can't go wrong with green leafy vegetables. Um, and so I want to think of something else and and vitamin D. Let's, let's put that as a as a healthy food. <laughs> we got it. We got a couple of um, comments nuts. here. Nuts are yeah. great. I'm, I'm I'm eating a lot of pistachio nuts at the moment. Uh, Katie's saying Barbara, that's great. 
Uh, beef liver, red meat, potatoes, fruit, and eggs. Love all those. Uh, I, I, you told me that, uh, Katie, about the beef liver thing. That's so fascinating. Uh, Barbara saying uh, walnuts. Um, walnuts is great. I should have put walnuts in there. Yeah, just as far as nuts go, just try to avoid peanuts, which isn't a nut. And maybe if you're concerned about starches and in your weight, avoid cashews. But uh, I'd say walnut would be way up there. Um, Brazil nut, you can eat one Brazil nut and probably get all the selenium you need in one day. So we got Linda excellent. saying bone broth, and I, I complete. I'm fascinated with bone broth as well. Um, bone broth uh, is, is great. Super, super cool. Even some of your fine, finer restaurants are offering a bone broth. Um, avocado. Luvina saying avocado. avocado. I should have put that one in there. It's a great healthy fat. And that that fills you up too. I'm a huge fan of, of avocado. Thank you for that. Um, so keep those coming, guys, as, as we move on for the for the people who are with us live. Um, any any healthy, you know, food ideas, um, things that you like. Uh, but I really connected with the eggs part because I love eggs. Can you can you eat too many eggs? I know we talk a ton sure. about cholesterol, but you could eat you could eat eating eggs will not affect your cholesterol, but you could eat too much of anything, especially if you're overweight, you sure can. Okay. Um, you need to use a variety of foods. Um, All right. Great question there. Thank you for uh, putting that in there and starting the, the conversation. Um, okay. Let's get to, uh, this is a perfect aminos question. Back to the perfect aminos. I see they have L-leucine, L-isoleucine, L-lysine, HSI, L-phenylalanine, etc. And the question is, I see my collagen has all eight of the same except without the L before the name. So, for example, leucine, isoleucine, lysine, etc. So is the L what makes the perfect aminos different? That's a good question. Yeah, it is the L isomer that seems to be taken up better. But um, I, th I was thinking there was more than eight uh, amino acids in there, including all the branched chain amino acids in that perfect aminos. But somehow they came up with this just the right amounts of this stuff. So, I mean, these compounds you can get elsewhere, but uh, it seems like the right they've just developed the right amounts of each one which i think helps a lot but e each one of those is just fantastic so i mean your collagen maybe maybe have all the same ones but you know collagens should also have collagen usually comes from beef you know i think your best collagen is really probably animal collagen um and you think of that as being great for you know your structural elements of your body um the essential amino acids uh, can serve the same function, but actually um, seem to build muscle a little bit better. But uh, interesting, I like to know what kind of collagen supplement you're taking and, and look at it. But um, they they may not just put the L isomer before the name. So I, I, I like to look at it and see and do some research on that. Um, Thank you for, for that question. We're going to move on. Uh, this is, uh, let's see here. My 14-year-old my daughter has PMS pretty bad a few days before her cycle, anger outbursts and anxiety, etc. Can I let her use some progesterone cream for the symptoms? And if so, how much is safe? 
What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, you sure can. It's over the counter. And I'm not sure how many milligrams are in the over the counter version. If you get it compounded, um, so you could use start out with 50 milligram uh, cream, use it at night because it relaxes you, helps you sleep. But that's yeah, the perfect antidote for what's happening with her. Um, you know, a lot of people would want to put your daughter on birth control pills to to help it, but I'd rather use some just bioidentical progesterone. I think it's a lot safer. Um, but that's a great point. Great question. So, so complete. It is safe to use with a with a fourteen year old. Uh, yeah. it, it seems the uh, the amount it just kind of varies on what type of progesterone they're using. Yeah, you can get an over the counter natural progesterone cream. Okay. Um, which is where I'd start. And if that doesn't work, then uh, come in. We can check hormone levels, and I'd probably prescribe a a, a compounded progesterone cream. All right. Or maybe even a tablet. Maybe even a tablet. Use that. Great question there. Thank you for for putting that out there. Um, all right, let's go to uh, let's see where am I? Uh, all right, how long post COVID should prophylactic ivermectin be uh, use be discontinued? Nobody really knows, but um, I don't know if you mean by post COVID. If you had COVID, or if you're worried post COVID, we're never going to be over COVID. I don't think. Um, so what I do, like right now, I'm taking some prophylactic ivermectin, um, because it's surging right now. I bet, I bet in my Kingsport office today, I bet we treated 10 to 15 cases over the phone. Um, it's really surging right now. And I still, of course, use ivermectin and all the other stuff that on our protocols. Um, so I just think during, you know, when it really levels off and there's not a lot of spread, you can kind of stop it. Um, that's kind of what I've done. I got off of it for a while. And, and with this new variant, again, there's no protection from this besides maybe ivermectin and keeping your immune system healthy. But I don't care if you've been vaxxed or if you've had COVID twice, you can still get this BA5 variant. It just seems to be pretty contagious although very mild. I mean, I still treat it. You know, I've talked to a few people that seem pretty hoarse with it and, you know, got fevers and chills, but, um, and again, I still treat it aggressively. Um, but it seems to be pretty mild in most cases, but I, I respect COVID. So I still keep a close eye on everybody. Um, all right. Thank you for, for that question. And I believe that's going to do it for the questions that came in uh, throughout the week, uh, either through email or some of our, uh, a few of our social channels. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, all right. We're going to go to the live portion of the show. This means we're going to take your questions live. We're going to try to get to as many people as possible. Uh, for those of you who, are, who have not been here before with us, this is the Performance Medicine Show. We do a live Q&A every single Tuesday at 7 o'clock on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, what's up to everybody who's with us and who has been with us uh, over the last, uh, golly, uh, months? We really appreciate y'all coming back. Um, all right, so go ahead, put your questions in the comment section. I'm going to start, uh, let's see here, start with Connie's question uh, on Facebook. Can you take the methylene blue if you are taking Eliquis? 
Uh, yeah, I don't think methylene blue is going to um, interfere with um, a blood thinner like Eliquis. Um, you know, methylene blue, if you watched my little podcast today, is a really interesting uh, little substance drug, um, antiviral, antibacterial, antiparasite drug. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see the only really the, the main thing you got need to be careful for if you, you're taking considering taking methylene blue is you don't take an SSRI like Prozac, Zoloft, Celexa, that group. Or if you had if you wanted to take high doses of it, you may should get a G6PD test to look at that rare um, genetic factor that can cause coagulation. Um, with certain things like higher doses of methylene blue, like you would use if you had cancer or maybe Alzheimer's dementia. Um, or of course we check a G6PD if you're uh, gonna get high dose vitamin C. Um, but it's knock on wood, it's pretty rare, but you know, but as far as eloquence, I don't think that'll matter at all. I mean, if you find yourself bruising more, you know, let me know. But I don't think there's any evidence when I took a deep dive that it would interfere with eloquence. Um, All right. Thank you for that question. Uh, Connie, this is a, this is a fun one for Mark. I'm um, assuming this is uh, referring to the picture. Is that why Dr. Rogers has his practices in a house? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is because of Marcus Welby. Um, yeah. I really like Marcus Welby. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. We've just, we've just gotten a, a new house for another office. So kind of guessing on that one, but I do like the old houses, you know, it makes it more homey, makes you feel more like a family doc and, and uh, actually go in there and be listened to and have a nice family atmosphere. That's what we like. So, so Mark has a, has a, a, a real question here. And, uh, and I think this is a very uh, pertinent question given uh, the Common Sense MD episode today. Uh, what, are, what are thoughts on methylene blue for stationary phase Lyme disease, Bartonella infection? Uh, so Lyme disease, Bartonella infection, would you consider, uh, it looks like a Z-Pack slash <clears throat> methylene blue or, um, uh, let's see here. Rifampin. Rifampin. Yeah, those are protocols I've seen used before. Again, I think it's good to, to um, combine methylene blue with other things. You know, you know the thing that works best with methylene blue uh, is red light therapy. Hmm. The combination of methylene blue and red light therapy is really good for um, fighting diseases like viruses. The, the reason I took a kind of a deep dive on um, methylene blue is because we've used it with COVID patients, especially those people who are having a hard time breathing, you know, methylene blue. Um, I hope you go listen to that podcast today if you haven't, because it's really interesting. Um, very, very interesting because I, I took a really deep dive. I read a book on it over the weekend and then started doing some other deep dives and, um, because it's, it's a nitric oxide antagonist. So nitric oxide can be a good thing for certain things like maybe working out for ED, but it can be a bad thing because um, it's really like a free radical. So it can prolong inflammation 
for certain conditions, but it certainly was the first drug known to man, the first antibiotic and the first drug that would um, kill off malaria. I mean, that's hydroxychloroquine comes directly from methylene blue. It's a precursor. So, um, and they, and it's actually a dye, you know, it's for wool. And these scientists started looking at it, that blue dye through a microscope and recognize that you could stain um, samples and, and like blood samples and tissue samples. And you can actually see bacteria and parasites and um, they still use it for that today. Um, then they also noticed that it killed the, the uh, particular parasite that's responsible for um, causing malaria. Hmm. Uh, they've used it. I think it was the first antibiotic ever, ever produced. It was the first drug. They used it for UTIs, urinary tract infections, back in the 1860s, um, and it worked. But there's a lot of other kind of side uses for it uh, that um, seems to work pretty good. It, it seems to help you breathe better. It seems to help your energy levels. Um, and it definitely seems to knock infections out. But there's a lot of other uh purposes for it that you might want to kind of brush up on a little bit and it's very safe except don't take it with an SSRI or high doses if you have a G6PD deficiency um, but certainly they do use a combination uh, to eradicate uh, you know things like Lyme disease um, but uh, it'll turn your mouth blue and your urine blue that's for sure. All right. Thank you for that, Mark. Um, let's get to Sue's question. Um, what vitamins are good for vision health? Usually um, vitamin A, of course, and beta carotenes. Um, trying to, uh, the exanthins are really good too. They have a lot of good um, vitamins for your eyes. I think omega-3s are really good for your, your eyes, especially if you have dry eyes. Um, but you know, I, and like Katie will tell you, eat, eat a good, couple of good organic, um, raw carrots a day. That's probably as good as any vitamin you can take. Um, but most people think of beta carotene and vitamin A and the exanthins for that. Um, all right. Thank you for that, Sue. Um, let's go to Kelly's question. Uh, Kelly, I love how you spell your name. That's how my sister spells her name uh, with an I. Um, with Ozempic slowing digestion, how does that affect other medications and vitamins I take? It's a great question. That is a good question. Um, it could affect them. Um, you know, usually um, most of your vitamins are absorbed in the the small intestine, the duodenum, and if it slows down, it, it may get digested before it's absorbed through your small intestine. So it could, um, you know, you always want to keep an eye on your vitamin D levels. If it does seem to be slow in digestion with, especially vitamin D, that's, that's important over any other vitamin. Um, and magnesium as well that you take at night. So you might want to check some levels on that and say it is interfering, then you may consider taking another form of vitamin D, like the sublingual form under the tongue or even vitamin D shots or getting out in the sun. Magnesium, you can certainly take uh, through your skin. You can 
put magnesium solution on the bottoms of your feet and it, it works great. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it could, um, you know, so that's something that certainly you need to consider. Would, would timing play a role there? Um, like timing of when you, when you take things and with what that might help with absorption? Well, you know, a lot of vitamins you should take on a, on a, a full stomach because it just upsets your stomach less. I mean, medicines like Ozempic can cause a little bit of nausea anyway. So the timing of the vitamins may be important. So you may spread them out more instead of putting them all in there at once. You know, Ozempic and the once a week uh, GLP-1 drugs, uh, they're pretty long acting. So um, it's going to be very hard to time you know, the particular days. So I don't think you could really time the, the shot of Ozempic with your, but you can certainly time your meals with it. You can, you can see what you tolerate as well. It seems like we got some background noise there. I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, okay, let's um, let's move on to um, Moon Goddess on YouTube. I'm trying LL37 for stomach issues like SIBO, etc. as a result of taking too many antibiotics for Lyme disease. My doctor says to take only 10, 10 milligrams three times a week. No results yet. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? I've never used that for anybody, so I don't know. I don't have any thoughts on it because I'm not real familiar with it. Um, that's interesting, though. That's something I'll have to look into a little bit. I'll uh, try to highlight that question, man, so I can look into that because, um, you know, if you, I don't know if you've been tested for SIBO or not. Gosh, I've had two patients in the last month that were treated for H. pylori, and, you know, it's, it's a triple antibiotic two-week course and they just tore their guts all to pieces um and it's it's a tough gig it's almost like you know you almost wish they hadn't have taken it in the first place because they're worse off than they were before they got the treatment um one of them may even have to have a you know a fecal transplant um so i don't know so you got to be really careful it seems um, LL37 is a peptide antimicrobial, and uh, and I am writing this down so we can do a little more uh, research look into on this. That. I haven't used it. Yeah, I've used a lot of BPC-157. Um, that seems to help gut health a lot, but um, we'll have to see. That's interesting. Thank you. Thank you for, for putting that in there. Uh, Moon Goddess, we will um, we will take note of that and get a little more info for you. Uh, let's go to uh, Anthony's question here. Is it possible to overtrain and increase muscular infl inflammation such such that it mimics the effects of inflammation caused by poor diet, or are the effects completely different? It's a different mechanism, but yeah, you certainly can overtrain. And if you're walking around in a state of inflammation, it can lead to all kinds of problems, including chronic fatigue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, poor diet's going to cause leaky gut and inflammation through that route. But um, you can certainly overtrain and, and upset that acid-base balance, and especially lactic acid. Um, 
you know, but yeah, the recovery phase of your, your workouts are as important as your workout phase is probably more. Um, so you need to look at some other parameters to see if you're overtraining, you know, like your heart rate variability, the quality of sleep you have. Um, you might even want to get something like an aura ring to kind of look at some of those parameters, which now I found out today is, uh, they finally got the app, which I obtained today on measuring your O2 sats that's at night. Cool. So that's going to be really cool. They charge you like $4 a month uh, for that app to, to have for that. But uh, I think it's going to be worth it. I'm certainly looking forward to doing some research on that. Um, so I think if you get it, you know, you, you need to get an aura ring and you need to get a continuous glucose monitor, like a freestyle Libre for just a couple of weeks to see, uh, what your training does to your sugar levels and also what you eat does to your sugar levels. Um, but, um, and talking about peptides, you may even consider using a peptide like Somorlin or Ipamorlin that may help you recover a little bit faster. Um, but you sure don't need to be spending, you know, four, five hours in the gym every day, unless you're, you know, you're a professional athlete, you know, that, um, and then if you do that, you, your diet has to be really good. And you should still do other stuff like, you know, ice baths, infrared sauna, cold showers, maybe, um, you know, drink a lot of pure water, eat very clean, um, but yeah, you can definitely overtrain. There's no doubt about it. You'll just be chronically tired. Um, it's, it's super interesting because I, I think, you know, I, I've uh, come across people who really have, who are uh, triathletes and they've, they've, they've almost worn their adrenals down. Is that the, the best way of? You can get adrenal fatigue. Yeah, you really can. It's fascinating. Thank you for, uh, for starting that conversation, Anthony. Um, I'm going to go. A lot of it has to do with breathing too, Anthony. Uh, that's why you need to talk to Zach Kramer. We, he's, uh, going to join our staff at performance medicine. He's located in Knoxville, but he's going to be available to all our clinics and he's a breathing coach. You know, he's run CrossFit gyms and done a lot of stuff, played college football, but his passion is really in, uh, breathing. And it's, it's interesting to me especially as I, I took a deep dive into methylene blue, how um, carbon dioxide, CO2, mm. plays a part in uh, the health of your vasculature, your brain and everything else. Uh, as carbon dioxide, which we most people, they teach us that it's a waste product of breathing, but actually um, it may be more important than oxygen in your overall health. You need to be able to... Um, you know, live with a certain amount of CO2 in your, in your system that turns out to be very healthy. It kind of, there's that dichotomy between methylene blue and nitric oxide uh, agonists like L-citrulline and L-arginine and beetroot juice and, and that. So I still use both of them, but I, I've changed my approach a little bit. You need to use a nitric oxide um, agonist for, uh, certain things like ED, BPH, um, maybe before a workout, uh, and, you know, look at the methylene blue for other reasons to kind of tampen down infection, maybe help you breathe better. 
but uh, a lot of it's tied up in CO2. Um, so stay tuned for that. I'll probably do a, a podcast on uh, carbon dioxide here in the near future to kind of when I, everything gets settled out with that. Um, CO2 is super fascinating. Uh, I, I really, that's what was, um, you know, I, I really started doing a, a lot of nose breathing and, and that was like the, that's that panicky feeling you get when you feel like you don't ha- you, you need more air. And apparently that's like, that's how your, your tolerance for that feeling is, is really can where you make some gains, I think, because I think it's CO2 in your system that you're, that makes you uncomfortable. Is that, is that right? Or am I off? That's right. Yeah. I mean, you get panicky and most people can't hold their breath for 45 seconds, but you can train your body to be, to hold your breath for six minutes, 10 minutes sometimes. And, um, but it's tricky and it could be dangerous. So, um, that's what, uh, that's one reason why we got Zach on board to kind of help you learn how to breathe. And that's just really interesting. Uh, it is interesting. Um, I, I'm going to go back to Sue asked a question about the vision health, and we've got a lot of great comments for things that people are doing. So I'm going to put these up here for Sue and others. Uh, Mark is saying Hawaiian astaxanthin, astaxanthin for eyes. Yeah, that's one of the xanthins I was talking about, and that is a good one. Uh, um, Omega for dry eyes uh, from uh, Camo Sarah. Thank you for that. That's good. Um, let's see, this is one I know we love is Life Extension MacuGuard. I'm sure you mentioned that. Um, so hopefully that helps you, Sue. Um, all right, let's get to, um, I think this is a, a, another great question from, from Mark, and it kind of gets back to the episode today. Which version is better, the pill form of methylene blue or the liquid version? And I'll just tell you my interpretation of the episode was that, um, it's only a liquid, it's only in drop form for the uses that you're talking about. Is that wrong? I, I haven't seen it in pill form. I use the liquid form. And the good thing about the liquid form is you know it's working because it turns your tongue blue and your urine blue, slightly blue. Um, so I don't have any experience with the pill form of methylene blue. You know, when they use it in the ER to um, reverse carbon monoxide poisoning or cyanide poisoning, they use an inter, higher dose intravenous um, solution. It's in every ER. Hmm. Um, it's an FDA approved drug for that. And it's life-saving. Immediately reverses it. Met hemoglobinemia that you get from those kind of poisonings. And actually, methylene blue probably works for almost any type of chemical poisoning. Um, hmm. And it works pretty quickly. I'm going to... Um, uh, Evangelon, Welcome. Uh, thank you for, for hanging out with us. Um, and he's got just a question that, um, I think we touched on a little bit with, with Mark's question. Isn't methylene blue and ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine precursor? I'll just let you for, uh, answer that for Evangelon real quick. It is a hydroxychloroquine precursor. You know, we talked about that. Um, I haven't seen it be a precursor to ivermectin, but, um, you know, Ivermectin is an antiparasite. So it, it was just the first form of a, um, a drug that killed parasites. So in a way, it is a parent compound. I know that hydroxychloroquine uh, comes from it. Thank for you sure. for that, Evangeline. I'm going to put this up here for, for Sue. 
Uh, this is from our good friend, Dr. Andy Clark, uh, lutein for eyes, and I'm, yep. I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. Uh, thank you for that, Dr. Clark. Um, all right, so I think um, what we're going to do here is it looks like we're, we're, we've gone through all the questions. Uh, so what we'll do, guys, if you have questions that we have not answered, um, you can put them in the comments, and what we'll do is we'll get to those first thing next week. Uh, Doc, this was a good show, man. What'd you think? How was your, what, what's your, would you give us one out of 10? What would you give us? Um, I'd give us a 10. I'd give you a 10. <laughs> you know, me, I, I wouldn't give me such a 10 tonight. Maybe give me a five. Uh, I'll give you a 10. No, you, I, no, you're, you're, you're underselling yourself. I think you, <laughs> I think you're, de you're definitely an eight tonight. And, um, I see you got it. You're, you're, you're in a different location. You've got a different background. Uh, any story behind I the am, rackets? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, as you know, I love to play tennis. Uh, and you yourself were a tennis player. I guess you would call yourself still a tennis player. You played some professional tennis and certainly all American college tennis, UT, coach tennis. So I'll brag on you. So I got that started. But um, yeah, I mean, these are all my old rackets I used to use. There may be a couple you used too, Ben, that started out on that. So you I just decided to hang them up you know, on the wall. Most of them are wooden rackets. That shows you how old I am. I never used a, a metal racket until way past college. So, you know, it's a lot harder to hit a tennis ball with a wooden racket. You got a lot smaller sweet spot. So, um, I don't know. I just love tennis. You know, tennis is a great game to play. I'm more gearing towards pickleball now. You know, at 67, is <laughs> Playing tennis is a little bit harder than it used to be. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I still love to hit the ball. Well, uh, Roel's given us a 10. Uh, Steve has given us a 10. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, love this. I, I want to. I do want to get to to this real quick because I, I think you can you can knock this out of the ballpark for Terry. Uh, can you explain the difference between how Ozempic and Trulicity works? Uh, I know we're on a time crunch, but knock this out for her. Um, and, and bring some value here. Yeah, I mean, they're both GLP-1. So they work in the same way, really. They're just made by different companies. Um, so they're, they're really the same. The side effect profile may be a little different. Um, I've tended to use more Ozempic. Um, I, I may have a little bit better luck with it, but um, one thing about the Ozempic, it comes in a pen and you dial it up, the Trulicity, you know, as a single-use uh, pen that, that you can't see the needle. You just, you know, jab yourself with it, and uh, you never see the needle. Then you throw the thing away. The the um, Ozempic, you dial up on a pen, kind of like you would a, an insulin pen, and uh, you can kind of titrate the dose maybe a little little more if you want, up or down. You don't have, you know, you start out at 0.25 milligram the first four weeks and they go to 0.5 but you can kind of if you're getting a little bit nauseated with it at the 0.5 you can dial it back a little bit but they both work i, I just have used a little bit more ozempic um but uh you know there, there's some other stuff on the horizon that people are um drug companies are are coming out with but i mean they're working the boat the same way in that um they Delay gastric emptying. They they reduce the amount of glucagon, the storage form of sugar, from your liver. They hit your appetite control center. They make your insulin work better. Um, 
and again, you just don't move your food through. So you feel full a lot longer. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for both these brands are just made by two different companies and there, there's some subtle differences in them, but, um, I think it's, it's a new class of drugs that I love. I really, really love them. Yeah. We, we, we've really talked, uh, talked a lot about the GLP ones. They are, uh, they are really, um, changing things for the better, I think, in, in healthcare. And, um, so, so I'm excited about them as well. And we'll talk more about those Terry, uh, in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, doc, man, I appreciate the time. This has been a blast. Been fun, man. Guys, I'm go out and hit some pickleball if it's still light and <laughs> not raining. To everyone in here in the comments who's been with us live this whole hour, we really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for being here every Tuesday at seven. Uh, again, this has been the Performance Medicine Show. We're uh, live every Tuesday at seven p.m. Uh, thank you to our team. I, you know, Jasmine's here, Rachel's here, uh, Katie's in the comments. Thank you guys so much for. Uh, for, for doing everything that y'all do. Y'all are the best. We love you. Um, I see Roel is a Jimmy. He sees the Jimmy Connors racket. <laughs> yeah. T2000. Um, that was extremely hard to string. I used to string rackets. Uh, I had a little racket stringing business starting when I was a seventh grader. Yeah. So I, I string thousands of rackets and that was the hardest one to string because it doesn't have any holes. It has grommets, especially if you're stringing with gut, which is very temperamental. You got to the last string and you you broke it while you were pulling it tight with your machine. You just lost about a lot of money on that because gut was expensive. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love. I was a racket stringer and a tennis player, and uh, That's super cool. As you can see, I love the tennis. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love the background. Thank you for doing that. Uh, thank you to, to, to mom behind the scenes. We appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, guys, again, if you guys have not subscribed to the YouTube channel or signed up for Performance Weekly, those are two things that you should do. Uh, new videos on the YouTube channel every single Tuesday, and we've got a curation of all the content that we put out uh, in the email uh, that we call Performance Weekly. Uh, we're going to head out of here, guys. We're going to go uh, do something outside, I'm sure. We love you. Again, this is the Performance Medicine Show. Uh, Tuesdays at 7. We'll be back next week. Doc, love you, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. Love you, too. Good See night. You guys. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.